You are listening to the Parkview Church Podcast. To learn more about Parkview Church, including our gathering times in Palm Coast, Florida, visit us online at parkviewlife.com. And I think, by the way, I think what you get out of church a lot of times is what you expect to get out of church. So you come in here looking like you drank pickle juice, that's your fault. And uh, just come expecting the Lord uh, to throw one down on us. And uh, man, what a great, great time of worship. So glad you're here. If you're visiting the Parkview and uh, maybe you're new, uh, somewhat new, thank you. Man, I can't thank you enough for being a part of what God is doing here. Uh, Take your Bible and go to Romans 12. We're actually in a series, chopping up one chapter. Um, I think it's the greatest chapter in the greatest book written by the second greatest Christian. So Paul, uh, greatest Christian outside of Christ, right? Greatest person to walk the earth outside of Christ. Um, Perhaps, I believe so. Uh, At least he's a strong candidate for that position. Maybe he didn't win it, but he's a strong candidate and then wrote 13 letters in the New Testament. I think Romans is his magnum opus. I mean, I, I love, you know, the joy of Philippians. Um, I, I love his, his, his honesty in Corinthians. Um, I, I love just so much of what Paul does, but, but Romans, to me, is uh, his Mount Everest and uh, that he climbed to write. And then chapter 12, to me, is um, the greatest chapter. So, for many months, we said, well, you know, we're going to start the year not just hoping to have a, you know, a good start to this year, but what's God going to do down the road in our lives? And so we've entitled this series called Faith in Five. So we don't want to just look at five, you know, the next five minutes, the next five hours, next five days, next five weeks, even the next five months, but what five years from now and beyond, what's God want us to, what's he want our faith to look like? And uh, what could it look like if we were to just dream and imagine a little bit? Like if we could really kind of bump this up a notch, take it to a whole nother level, what would it look like um, to do that spiritually? And so we're looking at five core competencies or five marks of maturity um, found in Romans chapter 12. And, um, and, you know, like almost like we're going to get the five and then we should start over and go through the five again because while this makes good preaching, it's hard living. Like it's, this, is, this is where the rubber meets the road. Um, we talked week one about the surrendered life, and um, you know it sounds nice and sweet and spiritual to surrender your life, but to really surrender it day by day and every day to Christ—that's a challenge. And then last week we got into some tough stuff. We talked about um, a real mark of maturity is when we separate ourselves from the world's value system. And Paul was honest. He's like, hey, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed. Don't be conformed to the world's value system, but be transformed. And, and where he started was where we spent much of our time, by the renewing of your mind. And, um, and, and this week, we're, we're going to look at, so a surrendered life, separated from the world's value system. And this week, we're going to look at a, a sober self-assessment. That's what I call this week, a sober self-assessment. Um. Some of you, it may come natural to like be self-aware. Some of you probably by nature are just self-aware people. Then there's the rest of us. And um, so I've been trying to grow in my self-awareness. In fact, probably the more I grow in my self-awareness, the more I realize I'm not very self-aware, if that makes any sense. I'm just trying to grow in that. 
Um, but I think that, you know, what Paul gets into this week in, in, in verse number three is um, really to how to have a sober judgment, he says. Those are the words he uses, or a sober self-assessment. And what I love is not just that we're journeying through this together um, on, in here and in our services on the weekend, but I love that so many of you are connecting in a group. In fact, let me just ask, how many of you have already had a group experience in this Faith in Five series? If you had a group experience, well, okay, that's awesome. That's awesome. And uh, I hope your experience has been uh, as good as mine has. I've, in fact, uh, we've enjoyed it because we've been doing it with the 20-somethings. Um, so we just hosted the young adults at our house, and it's been a lot of fun uh, growing in our faith with them. But I, I, and if you're not in a group for these five weeks and you're like, I missed the first two, that's all right. Jump in for the next three. Uh, go on the app, uh, website, see us at the back when you were done but what would get you in a group for these last three weeks would be a great experience for you and it's, it's just great to see hundreds of people connecting in groups all throughout the community some 70 groups meeting uh, different every day of the week there's a group meeting i believe so it, that's exciting to me but let's just do this let's just jump into the text tonight i'll go ahead and read uh romans 12 1 and 2 where we where we were the first two weeks, in case you happen to miss that. And if you did miss our, our, our time together, you can always grab that online and maybe feel fully up to speed. But uh, we're going to get verses 3 through 8. And, uh, but let me read the first two verses. I appeal to you, beg you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to, and here's the surrender phrase, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Next verse, this is what we went last week. Um, don't be conformed to the world's value system. Verse 2, do not be conformed to this world or their value system, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. All right, so here's where our, uh, the Jumbotron will join us. Verse 3 and uh, through verse 8. And this was our text for the week. For by grace... By the grace given to me, I say to every one among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. So we're going to talk about identity, community, and responsibility. And try and just have a sober self-assessment, a sober judgment around who we are in Christ, what role we play in gospel community, and then our responsibility within that community. 
really the theme of this text is this. To ensure we are living for the glory of God, we must consistently assess our own story. To ensure that we're living for the glory of God, because that's our calling to live for his glory. In order to do that, we must consistently assess our own story. And this begins, Paul does, he turns our attention immediately towards our identity. That is, knowing who I am in Christ. That's what he says here, verse, verse 3. For by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. So we have to be clear on our identity, that is knowing who we are in Christ. I submit your identity and my identity must be found in Jesus Christ and Christ alone. And I can illustrate for you what it looks like when your identity is not in Christ. For example, if your identity at some point in your life was based on your athleticism, right? I mean, maybe there's a time in your life where just all things athletic was what you were pouring your life into. So if your identity was based on your athleticism, I just have a question for you. Anybody in here, and by the way, for the next minute here, we're just, we're going to participate in transparency together, okay? Just to be transparent. Just get real for a minute. If you're identity was based on athleticism. I'm just wondering if there's anybody in here that either A, ever got cut from a, sporting go- a sports team, or B, you didn't get cut, you made the team, but you rode the bench the entire season. Would anybody be honest enough to say, I either got cut or I rode the bench the entire season? Would you raise your hand if that happened to you? Be honest, raise your hand. But, but some of you are not afraid. Okay, so I got cut. I, mean, I remember I got cut I don't even know how you get cut from a nine-year-old flag football team. How does somebody get cut at nine years of age? It's flag football for good night. I mean, like, how do you get cut from that? Or I've ridden the bench. Like, just, where's Peters? Don't even take your sweats off, son. Just keep them on. You will not need to take them off tonight. Just sit right down there. And, uh, oh, by the way, there were times that I played. Remember those leagues where the coach had to play you like at least one quarter? He looks down, all right, Peters, you're in. So, I mean, if you base your identity on athleticism, where does that leave you? How about if you try and base your identity on your wealth? How many of you, once again, transparency, how many of you have ever lived in your life, you've ever lived paycheck to paycheck? Raise your hand if you've ever lived that way. Some of you are like, if I get a witness right now, yes. All right, so, so if you've ever lived paycheck to paycheck, like, what's that? I mean, like, I mean, if you're basing your identity on how much money you got, like, I got more month than money, pastor. I live paycheck to paycheck. So if you are basing your identity on how much money you got, like, I, I, I'm not getting outside this week, actually. Doesn't work to base your identity on your athleticism. Doesn't work to base your identity on your wealth. I mean, some of you have tried to base your identity on your job. Like, I was trying to find my worth and my value and what I do on the job. Once again, transparency here, so we already know 
um, who's been cut, who's been rode the bench. We already know um, who, who's lived paycheck to paycheck. So another one here. How many of you have either ever been fired or laid off? You've, been, you've had that experience, fired or laid off. Okay, great. So how'd that work for you if your identity was on your job? Because I just got pink slipped, you know? Like, what in the world? Like, uh, they were cutting the fat out of the organization or what? I don't know. They just came up with a reason they could get rid of me. So, like, you don't want to base your value and your identity on how athletic you are. Or And by the way, how many of you used to be more athletic than you currently are? Raise your hand. Okay? So, don't want to go there. Remember, I, 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 the older we get, the better we were. So, but we're getting older. We're not as athletic as we once used to be. 2% of our church is yet to peak. But the rest of us, we're, we're on the downhill side. So we don't want to base our identity on our athleticism. We don't want to base it on our wealth. We don't want to base it on our job. How about um, trying to base your identity on romantic relationships? Uh, like, if, try and base your worth, your value, your identity on romantic relationships. All right, so once again, real transparent, how many of you have ever been dumped or divorced? How many of you either somebody dumped you or divorced you? Raise your hand. Okay, so I'll, all right, yes, I'm like, I don't even know how you get dumped when I was in middle school, but apparently it happened frequently in my life. So um, it's just like, can't base your value on those things. How about trying to base your worth and value and identity on parenting? Anybody ever felt like you're a lousy parent? Anybody ever feel like a lousy parent? So we better not just plan on that. And by the way, if any of these areas are a constant frustration to you, my romantic relationships, a constant frustration, parenting, a constant frustration, my job, a constant frustration. It might be because you're looking for too much from those things. Anything other than God that tries to support your identity, and by the way, anything other than God is always a lesser thing. So anything other than God that tries to support your identity will crush under the weight of that. Some people, they're, they're, they find their marriage in such a point of frustration because they're trying to find the marriage to support who they are. And the marriage isn't intended to do that. Like, I want my job to be more fulfilling. It might just be that you just, God's just got you there to be a testimony for him, to earn a living, but it's not really your sweet spot right now. And that's okay. Because that doesn't need to be where we find our identity. I, I said, I've said this many times, but I talked about it a couple weeks ago. Um, they, we gave out the annual report of our church, and afterwards, when it was given, I, I said, hey, just kind of a thought. Um, so this, just so we're clear, the scoreboard here at our church is not attendance and offerings. The scoreboard here, how we measure success, is not nickels and noses. That is not just for the health of our church. The reason that the scoreboard is not offerings and attendance, to be honest with you, is also for my own health. 
Because if I base my worth or my value or my identity on the attendance, I feel like a million bucks when the attendance is up. But what do I do when the attendance is down? So, I, so we've been crazy growing, insane. This is nuts that this many people come out on Saturday night to church. And we got another one right after it. Last Sunday at 11, it was standing room only in the auditorium and they had 30 chairs in the lobby and people were watching church from the lobby last week. That's crazy. That, that never happens. That, we don't do that. That's like Easter and Christmas Eve stuff. We don't do that on regular Sundays. So, that, so you leave, you're like, whoa, man, people watch TV, closed circuit overflow from the lobby. Well, what if tomorrow there's 30 empty seats at 11 o'clock? Does that mean my sermon wasn't any good last week? Right? Because, once again, if I'm deriving my value from how we do on attendance, attendance goes up and down. If I'm deriving my value on how the offerings were, please give more this week so I feel better about myself. <laughs> That's not in my notes, I'm sorry. Um, one of the most beautiful things... And I, I don't even think we talk about it enough, and that, that's probably my fault. But one of the most beautiful things that, that's happened to our church in recent uh, years was we launched a campus um, on LPGA Boulevard uh, kind of not long before COVID. And uh, that whole thing, how God brought that to fruition, is mind-boggling, and, and, and you have no idea how much I thought that during COVID it was going under and we were done and it was not going to make it and then God just blew some wind and the sails caught and what's happening is unbelievable down there and I said to Andrew during this rapid growth spurt I said you know those that record-breaking attendance you had today is going to be euphoric for about 30 seconds and then you're going to try and figure out how to break the next attendance record so I was saying is just don't let the attendance drive who you are just be who you are in Jesus and let the chips fall where they may. Like, no marriage is perfect, but don't try and find your identity in that marriage. Find it in Jesus. If you're like trying to be the best parent ever, you're still gonna have total fail days. Just find your identity in Jesus. Money will not support your identity. It has to be in Jesus. And this is grace. 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 9 says, Who saved us and called us to a holy calling. Now think about that. Saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works. Jesus never said to the Father, Hey, Dad, let's pick that one. They're awesome. They would really help our team, Dad. No, you're not, you're not saved and called to a holy calling because of your works, but because of his own purpose and what? Grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began. You don't have anything to do with this. It's grace. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse number 10. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. I am what I am, not because... I have a title. 
I have a position. I, I, I'm not what I am because I got this job or I, I, I drive this car or I live in the right part of town. I'm not what I am by anything other than Paul said, his grace toward me. And it wasn't in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. So being able to stand strong, being able to stand firmly in our identity is a gift of God's grace. Who we are in Christ is not just, remember this, I've said it a lot, who we are in Christ is not just better people because Jesus didn't come to make good people better. Jesus came to make dead people alive. We are a new creation, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17. We are new in Jesus Christ. And we were dead, but now we have eternal life. And that is grace. Our identity is in Christ. Our, our eternity is in Christ. And, and that is grace. That's something we did not earn. That's not something we could not earn. That's, and it's something that God didn't have to give us. But yet we find our identity in Christ, and that is grace. Jerry Bridges said, Grace is God's favor and mercy bestowed upon us, not because of anything we, we have done, but because of who He is. It's not because of what we've done, it's because of who He is, and it's grace. So being able to stand strong in our identity is a gift of God's grace. But it's also grounded in humility because if if it is if we realize that who we are and we stand strongly and firmly in who we are in jesus that also is going to overflow in humility james chapter 4 and verse 10 says humble yourselves before the lord and he will lift you up if when when you and i recognize that it's not because they needed another good player on the team that we got in but it's just his grace then we're like you know what we can be firm in who we are and we can be strong in who we are but we clearly know this is because of who jesus is and that puts us in a posture of humility and not pride the gospel the grace of jesus christ equalizes all people it requires and commands humility from the pride from the proud but it also requires and commands security from the insecure because the center point therefore is no longer us but it is jesus so we don't want to just, we don't want to see ourselves as the way others see us. We don't even want to necessarily see ourselves as the way we think we see ourselves. We want to see ourselves in the way that God sees us. And we see how he sees us, and we see that through the lens of Scripture. It's through God's Word that we're looking at tonight. We're like, oh, so that's who we are. Because we're so driven by who we think we are. We need to be more driven by who God thinks we are. We can, we can be driven by what who other people think we are right i mean i i still want people to be think well of me i mean i'm not like beyond that like but it but what's most important is not your opinion of me what's most important is god's opinion of me like so for example you probably have an impression of who i am right you've you've drawn you've, you've drawn your own conclusion you've come to church for any length of time you're like you could get in the car and leave today and on the way out of here say well this is who i think greg is and you you've you have some impression of me as if i spend any time with you if i if i came and listened to you every week i'd draw an impression of you 
So you have this impression of me. And some of you probably think, like, I don't know, just listening to me talk or my stories or whatever, you probably think, you know, Greg seems like he's a great husband. And I agree. I, I, I agree with that. But that's an impression you would have. And you're like, I agree. I'm, I'm pretty good at it. And so, in fact, this week, um, this week, Denise and I had a conversation on the telephone. And it was one of those conversations that ended, and I just wondered if she just hung up on me. You probably never had this happen. You know? And I'm like, I think she just hung up on me. And then I had to process it for a moment. And I'm like, okay, it was just kind of a more abrupt hang up. She didn't like, I think she actually said goodbye or something. So she didn't really hang up on me. It was just an abrupt ending to the phone call. Like, she obviously doesn't have the same impression of me that I have of me about how I'm doing as a husband. And a lot of people probably think I'm a pretty good husband, and I think I'm a pretty good husband, but apparently right now she's not all that impressed. And because um, she just almost hung up on me. And um, which, by the way, so to really help clarify your impression of me as a husband, I have hung up on her, okay? So i just being honest with you, I've hung up on her. In fact, she'll call me back. She's like, did you just hang up on me? I'm like, babe. Pumco has the worst cell phone service anywhere. <laughs> Obviously, the call just dropped. I mean, I'm such a lousy husband, I can't even admit that I just hung up on her. I'm like, no, it's a cell phone tower dropped it, babe. Come on. But you have this impression of, you know, whatever area of my life you want to critique, you have this impression. But your opinion of me, and I don't mean this in an unkind way, is not the most important thing. And by the way, my opinion of you is not the most important thing. God's opinion of you. You live for an audience of one. And our identity is not derived from anyone or anything other than God and who we are in Him because anything less than God is a lesser thing. So our identity must be who we are in Jesus and where that positions us with the Father. So our first area that we need to have a sober self-assessment is in our identity. The second area we must have a sober sober self-assessment is in community. Let's just assess wisely who we are in this community that God has called us to. Verses 4 and 5 of Romans 12. It says, For as in one body we have many members. So Paul's just drawing a word picture here. He says, As in one body we have many members, and the, many, and the members do not all have the same function. So though we, so though many are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. So the whole thing is, he's like, let me just kind of draw you a word picture here. It's like a body, a human body, and every member does something different. But we all fit into that community. I hope that if you experience nothing else at Parkview outside of the love of Jesus Christ, secondly, I hope you'll just sense that you fit here. Like you belong here. God has a purpose for you being here. 
You could have been in any church in town this weekend. And by the way, I love these other pastors. I love their churches. I love Trinity Epic. I love Kevin at First Baptist. I love Rod at Coastal Community. I love Thomas at Beachside. I love those guys. I can go on and list other guys. They're great churches. But I hope as you come here, you know you fit here. This is the place that God has, at least for now, for you to be a part of this community and know who you are in this body of Christ. There's a... Sometimes people don't really know what to do with, you know, how this kind of gets fleshed out, living life in gospel community. And so sometimes people respond with, well, what I do in communities between me and God or what I do with my faith is just between me and God and I, that's a very common statement it's a very American statement but it just happens to be a very unbiblical statement because it's who we are in Christ is not just between us and God but it's supposed to be lived out in community R.C. Sproul said we need the church as urgently as a starving baby needs his mother's milk God's just wired us to need community God designed humanity to need community. God designed it within Christianity that we would need community. And personally, I think Scripture makes it clear that we cannot, say not, we cannot experience transformational discipleship outside of relational community. Simply put, we will never be all that we can be in Christ by ourselves. This is not a solo sport. He didn't put us on Gilligan's Island with just seven people. Or however many there were. He's designed us to be in community, living life together. And I'm watching so many of you thrive as you connect in community. You're you're loving it. You're engaging. you're, you're, You're becoming who God has intended you to be in community. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 It says, for just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit, we're all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit, for the body does not consist of one member, but of many. So community is this common unity don't need to get real deep around this community is common unity what we have in common is christ we're all one in christ and yet there are many of us who make up this body we we are united around christ and our identity that is found in christ and that's where we understand if we're going to soberly assess ourselves or have sober judgment or do a sober self-assessment it's just not that i have an identity in christ but then who i am in christ gets lived out and fleshed out in gospel community that this is we have to ask ourselves like hey how am i doing on this whole gospel community thing like is it like am i really living it out or am i just like i just go to i just tick the box I show up like 30 seconds after it starts and I leave like 
five seconds after it's over, and, that, and that's all. That's just good. I checked the box. No, no, that's not what gospel community is to look like. This, this community, he's like, hey, you're, you're a body. And, and, and every part of the body is important. And if you don't think that every part of the body is important, just stub your pinky toe. Just get a paper cut on your pointer finger. I mean, it just every part of the body is important. So we have to assess how are we doing in understanding who we are in our identity in Christ, but we also have to know who we are in the church. And then thirdly, not just identity and community, but then thirdly, responsibility. Verses 6 through 8 talk about knowing how Christ has gifted me to serve in the church. We need to be honest and, and assess Hey, if I've been gifted to serve in the church, how, how am I doing in that? Because he said, hey, here's who you are in Jesus. You're in the body of Christ. And then verse 6, he says this. Having gifts that differ according to the... Oh, this is awesome. According to the grace given us. So how God has gifted you is, a, is an act of his grace. Do you want to you know how the grace of God is at work in your life today? Just look at your shape, your spiritual gift, your heart, your abilities, your personality, your experiences. If you look at that shape, you look at that gifting, that's a work of grace in your life. What you get to do and how you get to serve the body of Christ and point others to Jesus, that's just God's grace active in your life and in my life. It's just a blessing. And here's the thing I say about this. The the beauty of it is, and we're kind of in this growth mode as a church, what, what happens as, I feel like what's happened as the church has grown is my mistakes become more minimalized. And my weaknesses get compensated. Because other people step in the roles that you and I might not be able to do. That, we just have to be responsible with the gifts that God's given us. I, I was so thrilled. I was back in the back before, and I, there are people that sang in the choir this weekend. They've never sung in the choir before, and I don't even know who they are, but I love them singing in the choir. Like that, did, not, did that not bless you? It blessed me. I'm like, I don't even know who they are, but there they are, covering up for me, because if they put me in the choir, whoo-wee, you all really going to church somewhere else next week. Like, you all have to know, I don't have an administrative bone in my body. Like, how does the church get this big when the guy that's leading doesn't even can't administrate his way out of a wet paper bag? Because there are just people that can do that. Just, it's just how it works. We just, everybody just kind of does their part and does their thing. And in doing so, they, they make such a difference. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8 and 9 talk about, For by grace we are saved through faith, not of ourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And that 8 and 9 talks about salvation, but 10 talks about how it gets played out in community. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus before the world began. That we are to walk in those good works that we've been created for. Before you ever came out into this world and started robbing oxygen, you had a purpose and and god created you for a purpose and god gifted you and there's nobody like you you're it yeah and nobody like me and thank the lord one of us is enough right but in that 
God has gifted you. God has gifted me. And people are making a difference when they take, when they soberly assess, hey, this is who I am in Jesus. He then put me in gospel community. The church wasn't religion's idea. The church wasn't man's idea. The church wasn't Greg's idea. This was God's idea. Rather than shop backing us out of here at the moment of salvation, he said, I'm going to leave you. We talked about that last week and go right back in. I'm calling you out of the world and send you right back into it. But the beautiful thing is you're going to do this in community together. And you're going to need one another. And there's going to be a common unity. It's Christ. And you're going to live it out in community. And within that community, you're not just going to show up, check a box, and show up late and leave early. But we have a responsibility. And and he said, hey, like, for example, in in verse um, 6, if you you have faith, use it. If you have service, serve. If you you can teach, teach. If If you're good at exhorting, exhort. If you're good at contribution, then great, give. If, if you like leading, then be happy when you do it. And, 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 if you're, and if you have the gift of mercy, which I don't, but if you do, then be cheerful with your mercy. Just whatever gift you have, just use it for the glory of God. And what happens is, it's so amazing to watch this thing work. Because when people have a, have, they've surrendered their life to Christ, they've separated themselves from the world's values, and now they're soberly assessing who they are in Christ, that they belong in gospel community, and then they take responsibility for that, and they use their gifts, whatever they may be. When they use those gifts, it just brings joy to them. Like, and it brings joy to others. Like, for example, to me, one of the most encouraging things is watching people serve in their sweet spot. I just like, I, I have to, you have to know I love that. And there are so many people in our church right now that are just serving in their sweet spot. I think probably one of the happiest volunteers in our church, in my opinion, is Mark Losey. And I can't figure out how when you cook dinner every seven days for 300 people, how you could be happy about that. (laughs) It wouldn't make me happy. I'd be stressed. I'd be like, freaking out like i have no idea even how to do that and then they told me right before i came out like hey just know that because of the cold weather people probably can't eat outside so we're just making everything to go tonight I'm like really like let them sit outside in the cold i mean it'll be all right <laughs> like you got you it wasn't it enough to cook it for 300 people now you're gonna package it and send it home for them like man and if you just see mark he's like he was standing around us smoke-filled fire cooking, I think he said Italian sausage burgers or something, and, and he was just as happy as could be, just in his sweet spot, just serving the Lord where God has called him and it's just uh, it's beautiful to watch people serving with joy I tell you a group of people that seem like they're almost having too much fun in our church right now. There's a, I've never thought I'd say this, but it seems like there's a group of people serving that are having too much fun. And I don't know how you get this job, but it does look like a good one. I don't know how you get chosen to drive the golf carts around here, but <laughs> I don't even know how you get chosen to do that. But those people are having fun. I think they're just trying to throw people off and... And I didn't even know that you could remove the governor off these things. Apparently, they've done that or something. I don't know. They look like the fastest golf carts in Florida to me. Um, But those people are having so much fun. 
and other people benefit from not having to walk all that far. You're blessing people by helping feed them. You're blessing people by giving them a ride to church or to the front door. And I'll tell you another thing that I watch people serve. I think some of the happiest people in our church are the people that serve in the nursery. Like, how could you not be happy serving in there? Well, I mean, I guess there are times, but like most of the time. And, I, and it's funny because I watch these, these young moms bring their little infants to church. And they're, I mean, bless their hearts, they're going through separation anxiety, right? So they're trying to figure out whether to put the kid in the nursery or the kid not in the nursery and, you know, all that kind of thing. And, and I, every once in a while I see somebody and they're like going through a difficult time. And so I just kind of help coach them through it. And I'm like, you know, I'm like, yeah, I get what you're going through. And they're like, you're too old to get what I'm going through. And I'm like, no, no, we, we, we're kind of like raising our granddaughter and she went through this whole thing and so, you know, we just went through this with Addie, and, and when she first started, you know, going to the nursery, she screamed the whole time. And I'm the pastor of the church, and it was kind of awkward because my granddaughter don't want to go in the nursery, and she's screaming. Well, last week, we pulled into the church parking lot, and it wasn't even church day. And Addie was in the car, and we were in the car. Denise was driving. She was dropping me off for something here. And we pulled in the church parking lot, and Addie goes, play kids, play kids, play kids. Well, she's like, now she, like, looks forward to coming here. I promise you this because some nursery workers have done a phenomenal job with her. And I'll bet just you have the joy. I can't even imagine what the joy And let me just tell you something. If you don't think you're making a difference in a little child's life, let me tell you something. My little granddaughter woke up this week. And she is in her crib in the morning. She started singing. And she was singing at two and a half in her crib. She is singing, Jesus loves me. And she was mixing it with the words from Let This Little Light Shine. <laughs> Y'all got it going on in the nursery because she was switching back and forth from this little light of mine to Jesus loves me without missing a word. I mean, she just singing it. There's just something about assessing who we are in Christ. We know who our, what our identity is. It's not in anything other than Jesus because anything else will collapse under the weight of trying to hold up and support our identity. Our identity is in Jesus. We get to live it out in gospel community. And within that community, there's a responsibility. Just like everybody has a measure of faith, this text says everybody also has a gift. And your gifting is different than mine. And I'm thankful for watching people just live out with joy. God has shaped them and wired them and gifted them and called them and they're doing it in gospel community. And I'd say, if you've not had an opportunity to join us in this incredible journey, I don't know, grab, grab the communication card there in the back and say, I want to serve. I want to get, I want to be, I want to, I want to cook. I want to be in the choir. I want to work in the nursery. I, I want to serve and make a difference. I just don't want to come and take. I want to contribute. Drop that communication card off in the, in the, silver box out in the middle of the lobby there and somebody will contact you this week and say hey yeah sure absolutely join in and then for those of you that are already serving you're living out who you are in Jesus you're giving back and making a difference in this gospel community and you know if you're serving here I just want to say thank you because what God's doing is really special this is unbelievable told me the other day our church grew 41 percent in the last 12 months how does that even happen 
I promise you, it's only because a lot of people are stepping up and stepping in. So you know what? This is about the Lord. And we're going to serve him, and we're going to make a difference, and we're going to give back, and we're going to know who we are in Jesus, and we're going to let that live out. Just think of all the people we're, we're getting ready to reach we haven't reached yet. They, they told me today, in two weeks, in two weeks, the sound and video and audio company shows up to wire and, and put all the stuff, all the gizmos and gadgets in our new worship center. In two weeks, wait until we open that thing up. What a blessing. And you and I are going to get to be a part of that. And as a mark of maturity, we know like, hey, for such a time as this, I know who I am in Jesus. I've been placed in this gospel community. And we're going to do some kingdom work together around here. And whether it's cooking or driving a golf cart or helping a little two-and-a-half-year-old figure out how to sing Jesus Loves Me in this little light of mine at the same time, it just doesn't get any better than that. And so thank you for serving the Lord in this place. And if you're not serving, fill out a card. We'll plug you in. But let's assess where we're at and how we're handling who we are in Christ. Let us pray. The way you set this up, Lord, is just mind-boggling. Beautiful and amazing. To put us in community, to live it out, to share it, make a difference, live with joy, that everybody's got a part. And a real mark of maturity on our part when we just step in that, knowing who we are in Christ and living it out. Father, some people in here tonight, they've been really, really frustrated because they've been looking for their identity from a lesser thing. And that lesser thing keeps collapsing. So help them to see who they are in Christ. And by the way, if you're here and you've not entered into a personal faith relationship with Jesus, we'd love to help you. Come to Christ and find your identity in Him. If you don't know Jesus is your personal Savior and you don't know that heaven's your eternal home, just stop by our prayer area right after the service is over or after the tent. Say, I'd like to find out a little bit more about how to know Jesus and find my identity in Him. We'd love to pray with you over that. Help you with that. But if you're here and you know who you are in Christ, I'm going to thank the Lord for the opportunity He's given you to live that out in community and make a difference with your life. God, we're excited about what you're doing. We want to be a part of your kingdom. We look forward, Lord, to how you're going to use us, not for our glory, but for your glory. What you're doing is amazing. And we do all this, not just so that you can be glorified, but so others' lives can be changed. Stories of life change. What a blessing to be a part of those stories. And God, I thank you for every person that serves you so beautifully here in this place. thank you that we don't just get to surrender our life to you and separate ourselves from the world's values but then that we get to just serve right where you've placed us and what an honor and what a privilege and what a blessing that is bless our folks as they continue to serve you so faithfully
We thank you for this in the name of Jesus. All God's people said.